Before this episode begins, I have some back page projects to tell you about. Let me begin with Pep's City, a new book by Luis Martin and Paul Balus who have been embedded with Manchester City for much of the past three seasons. I've known Lou for years, most of my time in Spain. He's not only a fantastic storyteller, he has contacts that you would struggle to believe because in the modern era, journalists aren't supposed to get that close to football people. He does. In fact, he's close friends with Pep Guardiola and all his extended family. Indeed, Pep, along with some colleagues, wrote Pep's only, to date, autobiography just after he left Football Club Barcelona in 2001. Lou and Paul gradually earned total access to Manchester City and you'll see that reflected in the description of the structures, the idea, the atmosphere, the people, the anecdotes. I think along the road they both fell a little bit in love. It's a good page turner. It will bring you right inside the heart of this project telling you about Guardiola's emotions, ideas, when he's tired, when he's ebullient, who helps him, which players fall in and out of favour. It's everything you'd want from an inside story. Whether you're interested in City or separately in Pep Guardiola or any of his superstar players or how a huge operation like that looks from the inside, you'll find plenty in this book that you didn't know. Next up is Astroball, The New Way to Win It All by Ben Reiter. Even if you don't speak baseball, if you're interested in where any pro sport and especially elite football is heading in terms of recruitment, data and optimization, then you need to read this inside account of how the worst team in baseball were turned into serial winners thanks to a strategic revolution. It's Moneyball, the next chapter. And while I have, while I have your attention, are you, are you paying attention? Neil and Martin, who produce this show and whose voices you probably love hearing every now and again on the question and answer sessions, they've got another podcast called Between the Lines. It's interviews with sports writers who explain the stories behind a book or a piece of long form journalism. It's the medium I like most when you get somebody to explain how something works how it came together, how it was constructed, how it was planned. I love hearing things like that. It calms me. It interests me. And I guess that there's a thread of that running through what we try to do in the big interview, in that when we get elite coaches or footballers sitting down with us, we want them to explain. We want them to tell the stories from inside out. Lift the lid, I think it's called. This is most certainly what um, this new podcast that Neil and Martin produce does successfully. It's interviews with sports writers who tell the stories behind a book or a piece of long-form journalism. A new season of this podcast is running right now. It features excellent writers like Oliver Kay of The Athletic, Andy Mitten, who interviewed Diego Maradona for 442. And the season will close with a documentary about a much-loved football book, The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. Subscribe now, please, to Between the Lines by Backpage and get the new season as it goes out, plus great archive interviews, including Henry Winter, Mike Calvin, and some fella who wrote a book about Spain's tournament treble. Welcome to part two of our big interview Q&A for October. My name is Martin Gregg. His name is Graham Hunter. He's in Barcelona. And the questions, as ever, come from our sponsors at Bet365 and our socios at patreon.com 
forward slash Graham Hunter, where you can sign up to access one additional full-length big interview per month and other exclusive content, including the audio versions of all of Graham's columns for ESPN. Graham, the first question comes from our friend from Iona, Finlay McDonald, beloved socio, who asks, Argentine players scored 23% of Tuesday's Champions League goals. Messi and Lautaro played on Wednesday and scored. How, with an attacking arsenal of Messi, Kuhn, Icardi, Lautaro, Dybala, Higuain and Lamella, plus De Maria, are Argentina not untouchable? I realise they can't play all at the same time, but how are they not untouchable? It's a fair question. <laughs> Finley, what is in the water in Iona? It first inspired Richard Jobson. And then, I don't know, St Mungo or some saint or other. I can't remember who it is. I'm sorry about that, Finley. And now you. It's a beauty. It's a beauty. Um, have you got a month? Look, Finley, I hope over the years that we've known each other, um, it, it's become apparent that while I'm not short of an opinion, and I'm not short of confidence about um, proposing that opinion, I try not to bluff. Now, I don't live in Argentina, and although I've been at some Argentinian international games that might help carve that answer out, I have to fall back on what Argentinian journalists and tell me, and what Leo Messi has either said or, when I say briefed, not him himself, but those who work around him, work for him, work with him, it would seem that there is a, that there's a rank problem in the Argentinian FA. And I won't use um, litiginous words that can lead to court action here on uh, this feed. But there is an air of um, intense d dissatisfaction emanating upwards from those who coach and play um, with Argentinian nationality. They don't have to be working in Argentina, obviously. Uh, towards the way that for a long time that their that their international setup has been organised and run and who's in charge and what the priorities are. I haven't um, encountered in my career that level of antipathy, apart from some of the African nations, like the, like the ones that you would say should be potentially winning an international trophy, whether it's Ivory Coast or South Africa or particularly Cameroon. When you talk about the disconnect between the level of quality in the playing group generation after generation and the way in which they're um, catered for, organised, um, taken account of, uh, as is the case with Argentina. So I think if you look at the... Um, the nub of your question is, look at all this talent. And I think that there, if we if we don't get into allegations of corruption, which I can't prove, therefore I won't, but I've deliberately introduced 
the allegations and the concepts so that you're aware of them, then there seems to be at Argentinian FA level something like there are that, that exists at the head of some African FAs, whereas, well, we've got tremendous talent and that's really all it needs. Never mind, is there a development program? Is there an ethos of how we want the international team run? Um, what should be the coaching structure? Who should be in charge? What nationality? If this one doesn't work, who should be next? And if you think about just before Messi signed his um, first, maybe second professional contract at Football Club Barcelona. So I think that their Junior World Cup win is in 2005. I think that they they win their Olympic medal in the Beijing Games. As part of our series, um, we spoke to uh, Pablo, Mr. Loverman, Zaba, um, about, you know, that, that group of players, that group of people, how Messi fitted into it, what they could have expected moving forward from that Junior World Cup won in Holland. And even though Messi has taken them, not single-handedly, but has spearheaded their arrival at a World Cup final, a couple of Copa America finals. They're just like you point out, Finlay, the the whole is is less than the sum of the parts. And I think that you can only ever put that down to some form of organizational incompetence, lack of modernity, lack of awareness, lack of ability to maximize what you've got at your disposal. And if you want to go from the macro to the micro and say this decision about picking this guy, this coach's inability to understand what kind of player needed to play next to Messi, blah, 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 blah. You could go on and on in the micro, applying a kind of microscope to little things that, well, if you corrected this, if you corrected that. I think, I think the overall answer is the most appropriate that not enough has been right in the way. The, think about the, the way in which, for example, uh, a, a couple of examples. When, when Spain won the World Cup, I think, Finlay, you've read the Spain book that Backpage published, whereby you can really break down the fact that it wasn't a matter of luck that Spain won the World Cup because they had Xavi and Iniesta. You can look at the players around them and understand what mentality they had, what behaviours they've been taught while growing up, what skills they've been taught while growing up, what kind of infrastructure was put in place by people like Ginés Carvajal and others, many others um, like him, such that groups of players were regularly winning junior European championships or won the World Cup in 1999 in, in Nigeria. And that would be a way to say to you, that 2010 triumph, even including the 2008 European Championship, um, you could trace the structural antecedents. You could understand why, when everything came together, it was with a three-tournament flourish. And there, the pendulum is the opposite when you swing back to Argentina. Look at um, Rafa Honigstein's Das Reboot argument about what it was that Germany took stock of when they were atrocious in the early 2000s and, 
you know, couldn't get out of a group and were regularly um, losing to teams that they would regularly have defeated. They, they, they re reboot and stomped their way to um, a World Cup final win in Brazil. Um, if you take the infrastructures and the thought process and the quality people not on the pitch and, and, and place that template on the Argentinian last 20 years, nothing would fit. If you take that template and place Germany over Spain or Spain over Germany, there'd be a lot of boxes that would match. And you say, oh, God, that template looks very similar. And then if you put it over the Argentinian one, it wouldn't match. There wouldn't be a fit. It wouldn't look or feel the same. And if you had Messi on the line now or Mascherano, still better, on the line now, I swear to you, that with greater detail. Okay, next up is another social question. And it's Spanish. This time from Ben Nicholson, who I don't think we've heard from before. Um, I, I do want to say this has been a, a bumper harvest of social questions this time around. Big thanks to Ben for, for getting in touch. If he has been in touch before, I apologise, but I don't recognise the name. So, um, and it's a good question. Um, he's saying, what are Madrid's plans for Hakimi? I'm a regular watcher of Dortmund and I've been impressed with his development in the last 18 months. I'd like to see them make his loan permanent come the end of the season. But I definitely think he could offer Madrid something they're lacking from fullback with his drive and athleticism. Keep up the great work. Well, um, uh, Mr Nick, Ben, Ashraf, to my way of thinking, is, is characteristically a little bit like Regulon in that he should have a place in that Real Madrid squad stroke team. Um, Madrid, the badge, the ideal of coming through um, the youth ranks and, and playing for the first team matters to him. I think like you, what's happened to him at, uh, in Westphalia has been just gorgeous. You know, irrespective of who's been coaching him or how well the team's been doing, uh, his personal evolution, his physical development, because he's a much tougher beast now than he was, the fact that he's often played further up the pitch, um, hence, in my opinion, um, his propensity to score more. He always had a, a goal assist and a goal in him. Um, there's just no question about that. Now... Given, I mean, it's, it's, he's not the same player, but if you remember one of the things when Pep started to explain why Messi suddenly scored so many many goals under him, well, you know, I put him near the goal, the opposition goal. Well, with Ashraf, um, it, it's it's patently the same that when he's not played at fullback, because at, at Borussia Dortmund, in my understanding of it, he's played at fullback, um, both sides, obviously, because he is very nearly, as near as ambidextrous. Now, bloody hell, in the modern game, if you're young, gifted and athletic, and you can throw in the fact that you're, you're two-footed as well, that's extraordinary. That's a gigantic advantage to anybody who wants to make an elite career. And he genuinely is ambidextrous, I think. But when he's asked to play sometimes as, as an attacking wing-back, or better still, you know, a wide midfielder, whose role is to, to push in behind a full-back or a wing-back, and when he's got the composure that he's shown, um, composure and power too. I think he's a he's a 
He's a what do you, what do you call it? a feisty little character when he's jousting. One, I think he really enjoys. Although it's clearly good, he's good on the ball. He's clearly athletic, likes running past people. I think he likes getting in a, his his opposite number's mind and just screwing with them a little bit, saying, "Listen, I'm going to give you a horrible time today. Are you ready for me? Can you run with me? Do you want this as much as me?" And I really enjoy watching that. He happens to be an articulate bloke who's football bright, very determined in life. Not somebody who'll get lost with the trappings of football at all, I don't think. And so, you know, in my opinion, if Real Madrid were a club which was run with a good thinking football brain as their director of sport, director of football, instead of a combination of Jose Angel Sanchez, the vice president, Florentino, the president, and George Mendes... If they were, if, if Zidane was director of football or let's say Monchi was director of football or Luis Fernandez was director of football and, you know, they were planning, what's our next three, four years? Where do we want to spend money? Where can we save money? Then I, I don't see much of a problem in looking at both Regulon and Ashraf and recuperating them. Um uh, the little we've seen of Ferland Mondi so far at left back suggests that he he can he can give Marcelo a chasing once he's fit. Um, but was that a fifty million spend that they needed to make? No, I I just I don't see that. I think it was, hey look, we're financially muscular and we're bringing a good player in, and and that applied to Regulon. But depending on whether ultimately the really good football judges prefer. Um, Ashraf at left back or right back, probably right. Um, I I I would have no hesitation in saying, of course there can be a future for him at Real Madrid. You, I think you said you want to see him um, being, you know, entertaining the the yellow wall um, for seasons to come, and I can understand that. Um, but I'd I'd be a little bit sad for him if he doesn't get another chance to realise his his dream at Real Madrid. When he came when he played at Real Madrid, it looked he looked a little bit vulnerable in behind. He looked as if his attacking instincts, you know, were were probably not as Carvajal's. Carvajal, of course, went to I think Leverkusen, didn't he? To learn his training in the Bundesliga before coming back and really establishing himself for, for Spain and Real Madrid. And on his day, Carvajal has flaws, but on his day, he's in the elite three, four right backs in the world, definitely. So it's not as if um, Ashraf has got low competition, but is he the type of player, if I were involved in the hierarchy at Real Madrid, that I'd be very tempted to put faith in for the next three, four seasons to see how we go, then yeah, I, that's what I would do. Yes, I agree with you. But is, is it quite feasible that he ends up at Dortmund because it just happens not to be his time at Real Madrid? Okay, we're going to take that's a quick break now. Back slightly more, more likely, I'd say. And we're back with Socio Ian Armit, a.k.a. Ian the Plumber. Ian asks, following last week's memorable victory over Real Madrid, do you think the mighty Mallorca have the confidence, squad and talent to avoid the drop this season? Ah, the Barry Sheen of Kilmarnock. Um, nope. <laughs> I don't. Um, I know that they really, truly are um, your third true love. 
um, fourth after Mrs. A. But behind uh, Killy, um, high-speed chases on two wheels. And I respect the, the way in which uh, Moreno has them drilled in that, you know, for the first time I underestimated them this season was when Athletic were looking really nice and I thought that Athletic had enough firepower to open Mallorca up. And I think that one ended some mosh nil-nil, Ian, you'll remember better than me, but I'm pretty sure it did end nil-nil. And if you look at the way in which they outcompeted Real Madrid and the result looks absolutely spronsy, doesn't it, when Mallorca, newly promoted, who in the playoffs were 2-0 down after the first leg at Riasor, and then won that 3-0, came up, you know, didn't do a massive amount of business. It, it, it shouldn't be feasible that they're beating Real Madrid 1-0, yet they did, they did it with, with a little bit to spare. Um, they were tremendously um, disciplined as a team. They work very hard, not just all 11 for each other, but within groups of two and three. The goal that they scored, I analysed it over and over and over again. And you try when you're doing touchscreen demonstrations, not to, you try to be constructive and you try to not always say, that's the fault, this was wrong. This was Sometimes you have to say, well, that was a damn good goal. And there are little things that Rumi did wrongly. And I think this is an occasion where, kudos to Mallorca, the way in which um, the centre-back wins the ball at right-back and then uses uh, Budimir and the, the movement, the, 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 the one-touch passing and the movement, the speed of thought. I think Salva Sevilla probably has the, the only one-touch. I think it was him, one-touch pass. And, and the moment that Lago Jr. picks it up, Maybe Odriozola can make it clearer that he can only that the that, that he shuttles Lago outside, but I think his body shape is he's trying to show him outside, and I think Odriozola believes that it's crowded inside, and that maybe oh maybe Isco has got back and or Casemiro has got back so that when Lago cuts inside, which is not what Odriozola wanted to happen, because he knew he was right footed. He thinks, well, I'm, I'm, I'm showing him into traffic. And if you remember George Graham's thesis, and it wasn't just the offside traffic, it was show them inside, don't show them outside. If you show them outside and they get a cross in, it becomes chaos. If you show them inside and, the, and everybody's properly positioned, they'll be blocked, there'll be too much traffic. So Audrey's all wasn't massively a fault. So in my long-winded way, what I'm saying, Ian, is that was a glorious, glorious goal. But I think they don't have enough goals to stay up. You know, I think that... Um, I've I've been speaking to Gus Poyet a lot over the last twenty four hours. By the time this comes out, you'll know whether he's leg a coach or not. I think the last time we spoke earlier today, he was pretty much on the verge of saying it wasn't going to happen, wasn't going to work. I think they need a guy like him, and as such, um, you know, Lega have started off with a hell of a handicap. Um, they're several points short of the next team. They're only. You know, after nine games last season, they only had eight points. After nine games this season, what is it like I've got? Is it two? Two draws, I think. Um, anyway, I I look at Mallorca and, and, I, and I think that they've... Uh, Christmas might prove me wrong, Ian, because they've, they've started, obviously, much better in almost every respect than Wesker did last season. Um, OK, Wesker, I think, begun the season with a, a, a victory, but... Overall, this Mallorca team looks better drilled, um, better athletically, uh, less naive, 
less likely to go. But better coach because Leo Franco just didn't last, wasn't the right guy. And, and Wesker made a damn good fight of staying up. And in the second half, when they signed really cleverly, second half of the season, they were they were they were pretty funky in their points total. If you just take it on the second half of the season, gets them mid table. So impossible, no way. I mean, no way am I discounting them. But if you ask me, do they stay up? I don't think they'll win often enough to stay up, Ian. And that comes down to, I think they probably won't score enough. If the winter market changes that and they, they sign as brilliantly as um, as Wesker did last season, then there's a chance. But if you look at you know the ones who are rocking at the moment, Betis have got enough good players to win enough games that whether they keep Ruby or not, they, they it would shock me if they go down. Espanyol looked really in trouble. Uh, looked as if they'd lost too many good players, hadn't replaced them properly. But their move to Machina as a coach is a really good one, and possibly in time. They, they might well find it hard, but um, Celta are soppy, are just frilly and soppy at the back and in defensive midfield. And what they do now will be crucial because they feel like a team that will get pushed about. But Granada, are they look better to me. They look, never mind their current position, they look better than Mallorca. So if you're looking at who else falls down and, and your beloved Mallorca are fourth bottom, I find it hard to make a case that there are three teams who are going to win fewer times than Mallorca. So I know that you're in a huge amount of people who would like to see um, top league, maybe even European football one day again. Uh, okay, at, our at final Samos, question of the October Q&A goes to I, Shane I'm Hurley, struggling to see it, mate. asks... Real Sociedad have been a very entertaining team to watch this season after some wise transfer dealings this summer. Are they set up as a club to take their place as the next side after the top three in the long term? The new stadium and starting 11 look the part, but do they have the fan base, youth system, support of president and structure to cement this place? And if not, who is the club who are? And he ends by saying many thanks for all your wonderful content. I did not. I did not make that up. <laughs> did you just make that last bit up, Martin? Shane, ah, Shane, man. Um, it's it's got to be a mixed answer because um, some of the some of the responses will be yeah affirmative, some not. In yeah, the, is the you know, next did, did you say next after the top three? You didn't top say top third three. after yeah. top two. I think Shane said third if next after the top three. Yeah. It's a brutal ask because, you know, historically um, that position has been earned. It isn't complacent to say, ooh, Sevilla, Valencia, Athletic. They've earned that. And even in the, if you look at the, t in the, the years since uh, La Real became an open club, um, Athletic, while hamstringing themselves by sticking to the Basque-only policy, have had far more what you would call success in that they've had... Uh, many more finals, which adds to their profile, their prestige, the money that they've earned. Um, I think overall they've had, in fact, they have had uh, more Champions League football and unlike La Real, they haven't been um, relegated. So they, that painful fact for, you know, the, the ultra La Real fans who'd rather be all Basque like Athletic and, you know, the thing that Athletic boast about and rub their noses in, it's it, 
although I understand it more clearly, I, don't, I, I respect what Athletic do, but it's not part of my nature to say, well, I only want people from Grampian to be playing for Aberdeen. It's a bigger argument, I accept, but it hasn't helped Larry Allen the way that it should have done. Right now, I'm, I'm happy, Shane, in luxuriating in Real Sociedad playing at Anoeta as was. I'm not sure this Larry Alley Stadium. Anoeta for me. Because going forward, and that means from Marino and Subeldia front, you know, a forward, not just the front um, three, four. But if you throw in Oyarzabal, Porto, William Jose, Isaac, and of course the best player probably, you know, across the nine games, Odegaard's the best player, or the most exciting, the most thrilling, the most consistently good footballer in La Liga this season so far. And that's that's a hell of a jump from the kid, even that we saw um, Vitesse and, and Heronvain, I think it was, it was certainly Vitesse. It's been startling to watch him, but the blend between him and Oyarzabal and Porto and Isaac and William Jose and Merino and Zubeldia, to me, is just, just joyful. It's there aren't there are one or two, but there aren't many sides in Europe that I'd rather watch at full throttle than La Real right now. It's it's utterly thrilling. Sustainability that um, they, they they have a loyal fan base, but it's not gigantic. The stadium should um, eventually become a financial help to them in that. Uh, it, the atmosphere will be better. Sponsors have been attracted. As long as they're playing half-decent football, I think they'll be attracting more fans than they did to Anoeta. And what we know is that they work damn hard on their academy. They really work hard. They're, the brutal thing for them has been a little bit like, say, uh, Espanyol in, in the city of Barcelona. The harder they work, the better they produce, the, the quicker they get picked off. It's very much been the case that they, 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 they'd like to put, you know, barbed wire, hungry dogs, and what do you call these things that you use? Not stun guns, but you press a tasers, guards with tasers around their academy because people know that it's, an, it's extraordinarily productive and there's an attitude up in all of the Basque country to say, um, we must... When we get talent, we must protect it at all cost. And and the, the brutal thing is that while Athletic are a Basque-only club, if they see their neighbours 50 minutes away with promising young Basque talent, they are almost obliged to go and try and pinch them by, by offering more money. For example, as recently as five, six months ago, they were offering Oyarzabal a big salary increase to cross the divide and go play for Athletic like Inigo Martinez did. So they've got that threat. They are a, a smaller fish in a pond of sharks. And, and I think that all we can do, Shane, because you talked about fourth club, um, do they have the infrastructure? How long, they've, they've made Xabi Alonso, it's a, they've tempted Xabi Alonso away from working at Valdebebas for Real Madrid. And that's a damn good piece of business. And it's even though La Real was his first club, that's his area. It's a hell of a thing to achieve. But how long have they got him for? You'd imagine that it won't be long before 
Let's name them. Real Madrid, Liverpool, Bayern Munich are fighting for Xabi Alonso. Even though this will be his end of this season, will be his second full year of coaching, first junior, and then what you might call, what we in Britain and Ireland might call reserve football, uh, La Real B or Sansi is not quite reserve football, but it's 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 somewhere between junior and backup football. So. The signs right now are immensely positive, but you asked about sustainability, and we don't know. And I think it'd be one I, I'd be I'd be pretty um, I'd be guilty of, you know, inflamed guesswork if I said, yeah, Shane, it's, this is this is the spark that lights a a huge torch. And being realistic, unless they are, you know, the virtuous cycle, unless they, they, they are consistently winning, consistently getting into Europe, earning more money and therefore paying better wages, they will consistently find that they have to outscout and outwork sides to get the better talents. And they'll find themselves picked off quite regularly and, and thinking. Some boards will think, we need to sign, we need, pardon me, we need to sell... Um, or Thabal now. We we need to sell Marino now that we've repatriated him. Odegaard is only there for at best another season after this. Pfft, how they keep him from Real Madrid after after a performance like this, I I don't know. So I'd like to follow your logic, um, and it's certainly the case that uh, you know Valencia have have problems ahead. So maybe they can be. I tipped them to finish fourth on La Liga Television at the beginning of the season. Let's see whether that's right or not. I'm, I'm even tremulous about that because on the road, they're still not all that. They definitely need to buy uh, central defenders. Monreal's addition hasn't just solidified them in, in his position. He's taught people around him a lot. He's brought different standards. So, um, Shane, it's a lovely prospect um, for the moment. Anybody who hasn't followed Shane and I and, and begun to watch La Real whenever possible, please do so. You'll thank us. Um, shall we just... Smoke a cigar and enjoy them I'll with certainly a glass do of port that, right yeah. now rather than think world domination. <laughs> Shane, shall Okay, we? folks, that's a wrap on our two-part <laughs> October Q&A. Anyway. Thank you for all your questions and the socios for continued support. Sign up to become a socio for the full big interview with Charlie Adam, which is landing very, very soon and is very, very good. For now, thanks to you for listening. Graham, thanks to you for talking. Adios, amigos. Social sponsors, football, we love you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.